Good morning. I'd like to take the opportunity to welcome any guests who might be here or friends and all the rest of you. And if you would take the time now and sign the pew uh, book that you find on the very side, tucked by the cushion, we would appreciate it, both members and non-members. And um, after the service, we welcome you to um, coffee and donuts in uh, Fellowship Hall, so you can also greet uh, your friends and have a little social time afterwards. And Jeanette uh, Henderson has a few comments about mission. Good morning. Around the world, and in this country too, there are people who lack access to food, clean water, sanitation, education, and opportunity. Today we receive your gifts to one great hour of sharing, which serves to help change the lives of people who are in these challenging situations. This offering provides us a way to share God's love with our neighbors in need. One Great Hour of Sharing makes a difference in the world through three programs. Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, the Presbyterian Hunger Program, and the Self-Development of People. Last year, Presbyterian Disaster Assistance sent aid to 40 countries after catastrophic events, including the Ebola epidemic, the violence in Syria, and Typhoon Harian. Nationally, 24 states received help following natural and human-caused disasters, including Superstorm Sandy, the unaccompanied children border crisis, and the shooting in Ferguson. Through our Presbyterian Hunger Program, over 150,000 people in 29 countries who were living in extreme poverty now have increased food security through international development work. 828,000 people in the United States were helped through 45 programs that focused on developing robust and healthy alternative food systems. Our Self-Development of People program provided 4,600 children with improved educational opportunities. And the program also helped 153 people with physical or mental disabilities move forward in their lives. Feeding the hungry, helping people build up their own livelihoods, responding to disasters. These are all ways that one great hour of sharing is changing lives, changing communities, and changing the world. I challenge you strongly to consider increasing your gift to the offering this year especially since a generous member of our congregation will match every dollar you donate up to $10,000. If you forgot the envelope we mailed to you, don't worry, there's lots of more blue envelopes in the pew. Just as we trust one great hour of sharing programs to respond to the needs of the world's poorest and hungriest people, those programs can only do so to the extent of our generosity. Thank you.
when they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it, and will send it back immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street, and as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat upon it. Many people spread their coats on the road, and they spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. And then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve.
I can tell word has gotten out. Today's a good day. Today we will tell an ancient story of a parade, palms, and possibilities. Today we say, blessed is the one who comes in God's name, Hosanna. In ancient Jerusalem, people gave Jesus a wonderful welcome the week before Passover rituals and that day when the cornerstone of our faith was rejected by people he loved.
Please join me in prayer. Wondrous God, because of your great love, you have come to us in Jesus. In him you still come into the noise, confusion, clamor, and sinfulness of our lives. It is with amazement and joy that we welcome you with admiration, not unlike the crowds that lauded your entrance into Jerusalem long ago. We are grateful for the presence of the risen Christ, whose presence walks the road of this life with us. With palms and praise and prayer, we glorify you for the amazing grace shown in Jesus. We acknowledge our communal need for deliverance from that which keeps us in bondage. Lord Jesus, we lift our faces, our hearts on this day of rejoicing. Intrude again in our lives today. Amen. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Don't we all want that same assurance of being the children of God? We have it. We have this promise that whatever we bring to God is forgiven. So with confidence of these being these children, let us together use our printed prayer of confession. Lord Jesus, We confess we are much like the crowds who cheered your entrance into Jerusalem. We are a mixture of motivations and expectations. Some of us praise you for what you have already done, while desperately hoping for a little demonstration of your power. Some of us wait for your deliverance, but we want it on our terms and fail to comprehend your intention for us. Some of us are pulling back to the edges of the crowd, We fear your arrival. It's an intrusion into our settled, self-made lives. We confess hesitancy to stay with you all the way to the cross. Even as we sing, wave, and shout hosannas, we confess that we are prone to the human sinfulness that caused your passion and led to your death. Forgive us, we pray. Amen. God knows our nature and our need and has assured us that through the suffering intrusion of God's love into the world, our sin is forgiven. All glory and praise be to God. Amen. Good morning. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him, for they said, Not during the festival, for there is no 
While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with a jar of alabaster of a very costly ointment of nard. And she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were were there who said to one another in anger, They they scolded her, but Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. When they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him money. So so he began looking for an opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, his disciples said to Jesus, So he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the disciples set out and went to the city, and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. Now, a lot of our children headed out already. Some are still here, but I thought I would just use this opportunity to speak to us all. Not that we're all necessarily children, but remember God said, let the children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. Well, it was kind of fun watching the children wave palms marching through. Uh, As you know, uh, when we read the opening about Palm Sunday from the Gospel of Mark, there was really no mention of palms. They put their coats on the road. And as some of you are aware, I just think we should be calling this Coat Sunday and putting all of our coats down. But you may not be aware of what the palm branch represented. If the President of the United States was going to visit us here in Pittsford, people would probably line the street and we would be handing out all of those little tiny American flags, some of them made in China, but we had American flags and we would be waving them to welcome the president. Because we have a very free and independent country and we would be acknowledging with the flags, we really don't have... A king. Well, they didn't have a flag in Israel. The government was Roman at the time. Romans had come in from the outside, and the people didn't much care for the Roman government. They would wish to have had their own government from Israel and Palestine. 
So they devised in their minds a secret flag for a free and independent country. And the secret flag was the palm branch. Yeah. That was the sign of a free new country, free from the Romans. And in some ways, the people who heralded Jesus thought he was going to be their new king. And they didn't understand that he would be king of the world, let alone king of that part of the world. Well, the other question is, what do we do with the palms? Some people turn them into crosses. If you're young and you're about age 12 and you're male, you probably turn them into swords. I've watched that happen in Fellowship Hall. That was not their intention. But those palms, many of them are taken, and if they're left over, and they're burned. And then we save the palms until Ash Wednesday. And the ashes that people receive on Ash Wednesday come from the palms that have been burned from the previous Palm Sunday. Kind of recycling, I'd say, but in a wonderful way. May God bless us all. When it was evening, he came with the twelve, and then they had taken their places and were eating. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, 
One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one, one after another, Surely Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, giving it to them, and and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all become deserters, I will not. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter said vehemently, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. All of them said the same. We will be reading together from hymn 206, the first three verses. This is the nice. This is the night, dear friends, the night for weeping, when powers of darkness overcome the day, the night, the faithful, the mourn weight of evil, whereby our sins the Son of Man betray. This night the traitor, wolf within the sheepfold, betrays himself into his victim's will, the Lamb of God for sacrifice preparing. Sin brings about the cure for sin's own ill. This night Christ institutes his holy supper, blessed food and drink for heart and soul and mind. This night injustice joins its hand to treasons and buys the ransom price of humankind. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, 
Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough, the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. So when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. And kissed him. Then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. As we prepare to watch and pray, we have been asked to pray for the family of Tom Yost, who mourns his passing. He was a 2010 Pittsburgh Menden grad. And our prayers also extend to the Collins family. Bob, we had a beautiful service here just yesterday for your aunt, Nancy Collins. And the flowers on the chancel remind us of a beautiful life. We also are in mourning with Carol Tiemann as her husband Marty passed away this week. His memorial service will be this Saturday, just before the resurrection celebration, Saturday, April 4th at 2 p.m. here in our sanctuary. 
Just as one life passes to God, a new life has come into this world. We rejoice with the Peets over the birth of a new granddaughter. Emma Michelle Mathias was born on the 24th to Diana and Corey Mathias. Please pray with me, friends. Our Savior comes to us humbly, riding a donkey and proclaiming a message of peace. His passionate prayers demonstrate a willingness to sacrifice and show us a path for transforming lives, our own and those around us. Like Jesus, we are bold to pray, even in the extremis of the Garden of Gethsemane. Let us pray for the church, for earth and all its creatures, and for all people in need. May all Christians hear and share the word of God as true disciples. May all ends of the earth receive the words of the King of Peace. May all leaders of church and of state prefer humble service to empty power. May all people live with gratitude for the gifts of nourishment, friendship, family, trust, patience, and hope with the courage and wisdom to change whatever fails to be life-giving. May those who see the cross starkly revealed in their lives draw strength from the name that is above every other name and in whose name we have been taught to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none, for many gave false testimony against him. And their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, And destroyed his temple, made with the hands, and in three days built another, not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it they testify against you? But he was silent and did not answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need more witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. The guards also took him over and beat him.
Together let us pray. Some have betrayed their country, their creed, and their ideals. Judas is remembered because he betrayed a friend. Recalling the passion of our Lord moves us more toward gratitude and grace rather than infidelity and disloyalty. For life-sustaining gifts that we often take for granted, for shelter, food, and meaningful tasks to do, for your steadfast love that awakens us and raises us from our sinful ways, for your word that guides and heals us, we give you thanks, gracious God. As we invest a part of all you entrust to us to further your ministry through the Church, may we show to others the immeasurable riches of your grace in Jesus Christ. Make this Church a beacon of hope for the world. Amen. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. And he went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed, and the servant girl, on seeing him, began again to say to bystanders, And again he denied it. Then after a little while, while the bystanders again said to Peter, But he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. 
Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. We will be singing stanzas three, five, and seven of this hymn. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they Bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you? the king of the Jews. For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call king of the Jews? They shouted back. Pilate asked them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more. So Pilate, 
wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified.
I don't know that there's any pain that stays with us longer than not being wanted, being rejected. man was recounting his teenage years, and he said, back when I was a boy, we played spin the bottle. We played it this way. We would spin the bottle, and if it landed on you, the girls were supposed to kiss you. Or if they rather chose to, they could give you a quarter instead of a kiss. By the time I was 18, I think I accumulated enough quarters to pay my way through college. Well, a quarter's all right but it's very poor compensation for someone to avoid kissing you. Very hard to be rejected, be unwanted. I think most of you know what happens in China where the government, with the exception of a loophole or two, enforces the one-child policy. Every family is supposed to have one child to keep the population under control. But perhaps part of the story you don't know. If you could have only one child, what would you prefer, a boy or a girl? Wouldn't matter. Not for us. However, in a poor agricultural society, which most of the country is, where help on the farm is crucial, it's believed that a typical male baby will, over a lifetime, contribute more to the household than a typical girl baby. And this idea has led to the millions of girl fetuses being aborted in China. This has produced a wildly skewed gender gap between the number of boys and girls in that society And as young people today move into cities, this skewing of genders may very well lead to some very difficult issues. Are you aware there's some problem in India? The reasons are a little different. Part of the reason that Indians favor sons is the enormous expense of marrying off their daughters. Families often go into debt, arranging for marriages, paying for elaborate dowries to marry their girls. A boy, on the other hand, will one day bring home a bride and a dowry as well. The problem is so serious in India that hospitals are legally banned from revealing the gender of unborn children in order to prevent sex-selective abortion. But the evidence is out. Some female infants who are aborted are treated with neglect and they don't survive. Many of those who do survive are given a name. They're called Nakusa or Nakushi by their family. I don't know what that meant when I read it. I had to ask someone from India who knew Hindi. And they told me that the name Nakusha or Nakushi means 
unwanted. Is there any emotion more devastating than feeling unwanted? Rejected, especially by those who could love you. Jesus knew what this was like. His own people rejected him. One who was closest to him betrayed him. Another denied him. And when he needed them most, almost all of his friends turned their back on him. He knew what it was to have those who once showered him with praise reject him before the week ended and shout, crucify him. Well, of course, this was foretold in the Old Testament. So we come to this Palm Sunday, 2015. A day of celebration? Well, yes. On this day, we remember how the people of Jerusalem welcomed Jesus into their city. You know the story. Jesus is making slow progress on his journey, accompanied by his disciples and other supporters, all the way to the city of Jerusalem. And as he approaches Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sends two of his disciples ahead to a village where they would find a colt of a donkey on which no one had yet ridden, and he told them to untie it and bring it to him. And if anyone asks you why you're untying it, just say, the Lord needs it. Now, in this period of history, donkeys were valuable. Many were poor, and sometimes donkeys were owned cooperatively by several families. Though imperfect, it was a workable approach, and property laws were not absolute. There was an ancient law that required citizens to render to any king or one of the king's emissaries any item needed for the king's service. If the king needed a donkey, they were obligated to give it to the king. That's why in our story, Jesus tells his disciples to procure the animal, and if the owner asks what they were doing, they were simply to respond, the Lord needs it. And you know what Lord really means in that language, right? It means king. And the disciples brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their coats on it. It was foretold almost in 2 Kings 9, where we see that that was a pattern for kings. The procession broke out in joyful praise. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This did not sit very well with the Pharisees who were scattered throughout the crowd, they said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your students. He said, If they keep quiet, even these stones will speak. This would be a great place to end the gospel. Jesus receiving the welcome he deserved. He had taught the kingdom of God faithfully. He had healed those who were sick or infirmed. He had set an example of living at its best. Now he was being welcomed like a king. I mean, it could have ended that way. In his book, The Last Week, theologian Marcus Borg mentions that there was another parade occurring on the opposite side of the city, according to Roman journals, even as Jesus entered Jerusalem. Pontius Pilate 
the Roman governor was entering the city at the head of a column of imperial cavalry. Jesus' procession proclaimed the kingdom of God. The other one, the one of Pontius Pilate, proclaimed the power of the empire. Pilate was there with his soldiers in case there was trouble. That was a very common occurrence in Jerusalem, especially at Passover, a festival that celebrated the Jewish people's liberation from another empire. Imagine the imperial procession's arrival in the city. A visual panoply of imperial power. Cavalry on horses, foot soldiers, leather armor, helmets, weapons, banners, golden eagles mounted on poles, sun glinting on metal and gold, sounds, the marching of feet, the creaking of leather, the crinkling of bridles, the beating of drums, the swirling of dust, the eyes of silent onlookers, some curious, some resentful. Pilate's procession displayed not only Roman power, but also Roman theology. According to this theology, the emperor was not simply the ruler of Rome. The emperor was the son of God. The pagan heresy began with the Augustus, who ruled Rome a couple of decades before Jesus. His father was said to be the son god of Apollo. Inscriptions referred to Augustus as son of God, Lord, Savior, one who brings peace to the earth. After his death, he was seen as ascending into heaven in the journals that were written to take a permanent place among the gods. Underscore this, Pilate's procession into Jerusalem embodied not only a social order that was being revived, but also a very rival theology. Pilate, one side of the city, Jesus and disciples on the other side. The stage was being set for an inevitable clash between the mightiest kingdom of this world at the time and the kingdom of God. And when that clash reached its climax, crushed between the might of Rome and the will of God, was the rejected, unwanted, broken body of Jesus.
Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole cohort. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him, and they began saluting him. They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who were passed, passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood facing him, saw that it was in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joses and Salome. They used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were really already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth, 
and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joses, saw where the body was laid. 